You're listening to the Restoration Church Podcast. We are a local congregation in Lexington, Kentucky, and we would love to see you join God's restoring work of love in your life. You can find out more about us at restorationlex.com welcome. There's helpful links about how you can grow, how you can serve, and be good news in our city. Thanks for listening. That's, that's, a, that's a first. I'm um, excited to be up here with you today. If you're new here, my name is Casey. I am a student pastor here. I have all the students in here today. Um, and just so you know, they have given me a list of two words that I somehow have to work in to the sermon today. And I'll be interested if you could come up with me afterward and figure out what those words are. So um, pay special attention. Um, there were several words I just could not figure out how to get in here. So um, so today is an important day on the church calendar that we call Transfiguration Sunday. And to get us started this morning, I want to ask this question. Have you ever had one of those moments where things just finally click? They finally just come together. You finally fully understand something. All right, maybe it's the time you figured out how to ride a bike. That's always a fun and challenging time. You figured out how not to fall ice skating or you finally figured out what the heck was going on in algebra class with distributive properties and inequalities, all right? Sometimes there's just no better feeling. Things finally click, they finally make sense. I remember the first time I figured out how to play a G chord on the guitar after spending hours in front of YouTube videos. It was exciting, all right? The time I finally passed my driver's test, not the first time, not the second time, but the third time. All right, it took a while to figure out how to parallel park, unfortunately. When I figured out how to snowboard, I spent a whole day and couldn't walk for a week, but I figured it out. Or when my son was born and I finally figured out how to change a diaper, um, I, I was so nervous that, yeah, those first few diaper changes in the hospital, I, was, I was, did not know what to do. I was scared. And it's been fun to watch him even figure out how to do things, you know, he's figured out how to climb the coffee table. That's been an adventure, things clicking for him. Um, so why talk about that? Well, Transfiguration Sunday, all right? It's one of these smaller days in the church calendar that we could just pass over, all right? Advent has just happened. We've had Christmas. Lent and Easter are coming. Why even worry about this thing called Transfiguration Sunday? We could just skip over it. We could move on, but that would be a huge, huge mistake. Because today is one of those days on the church calendar when we read a story about where everything comes together. Everything clicks. The identity of who Jesus is is laid open before the disciples on that mountain. It's this moment where these closest disciples of Jesus have that light bulb moment where everything comes together, where the full picture and identity of Jesus is before them. So today we're going to explore this Mark chapter 9 passage that we read, and I'll read it again here in a moment, but I hope that today we can have our own moment. We can picture ourselves on that mountain, have our own transfiguration experience. So I want to reread the passage again, uh, just so we are ready to explore a little further. So Mark chapter 9, verses 2 through 9, Jesus is on this mountain, and it says, After six days, Jesus took Peter James and John with him and led them up a high mountain. They were all alone. There he was transfigured before them. 
His clothes became dazzling white, whiter than anyone in the world could bleach them. And there appeared before them Elijah and Moses, who were talking with Jesus. Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, it is good for us to be here. Let us put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. He did not know what to say. They were so frightened. Then a cloud appeared and covered them, and a voice came from the cloud, This is my son, whom I love. Listen to him. Suddenly, when they looked around, they no longer saw anyone with them except Jesus. And as they were coming down the mountain, Jesus gave them orders not to tell anyone what they had seen until the Son of Man had risen from the dead. So at first glance, this is a pretty obscure passage, all right? We're sitting here reading this moment where the disciples are up on a mountain, and I have a lot of questions when I first read this passage. Why, why is Peter, James, and John here? Why, why do they get to go up the mountain? Why even go up the mountain in the first place? What's this whole thing with Jesus being transfigured and his clothes changing? Why are Elijah and Moses here? What's going on with God speaking from this cloud? Why would Jesus tell them not to say anything? So I want to explore some of these questions. I think sometimes, you know, you come to church on Sunday and we, pastors, we kind of leave you out of the process of answering some of these questions. So I want to explore some of them together. So why Peter, James, and John? Why do they get to be here? Well, they're usually referred to as Jesus's inner circle. You know, kind of like we all have friends, acquaintances, but these are his best friends. They were among the first that he called, and so he invites them into this key moment. What about the mountain? Why, why do they have to go up the mountain for this whole thing? Well, if you were to read from the Old Testament all the way through the New Testament, mountains are key places, all right? Moses meets God on a mountain in the book of Exodus in kind of a similar way where God reveals his identity to him. And in a similar way, Peter, James, and John are now experiencing the full presence of God just like Moses did. What's happening with Jesus' clothes changing? Why is that happening? Well, with Peter, James, and John here, they are finally seeing the fullness of Jesus and his glory. It's like a veil being pulled back, and they are able to fully see who Jesus is as the Messiah. They're seeing the full reality of Jesus, even in this discombobulating experience. All right. Elijah and Moses, who invited them to the party? All right. How did they get here? Why do they show up? Well, they are two leaders from the Old Testament, two prophets. Moses representing the Old Testament law, Elijah representing all of the prophets, and their present presence is an affirmation that Jesus has completed and is completing what began in the Old Testament. He's the one the law pointed to. He's the one the prophets spoke about. Beyond that, what about God showing up and speaking from this cloud, all right? Jesus has been transfigured before them, Peter, James, and John, and then God speaks from this cloud, and there are two important events that are very similar in Scripture. Once again, Moses on top of Mount Sinai, where God reveals himself to Moses, and he speaks to Moses, and also Jesus' baptism, where God proclaimed the same exact thing, this is my son whom I love. So through encountering God's presence in that cloud, what we are seeing is that Jesus is the Son of God. God is proclaiming that identity over his Son to these disciples. And why not tell anyone, all right? Why would Jesus let them come up the mountain, have this exciting experience, only to tell them not to tell anyone? 
because this will fully make more sense after his death and his resurrection. All right, so now that we've covered some questions, let's put this together a little bit. What's going on with the transfiguration? What's going on with Peter, James, and John experiencing this moment? Well, the transfiguration is a moment where the curtains are pulled back and the fullness of Christ is put on display. Biblical scholar N.T. Wright says it like this. He says, the disciples are having their eyes opened so that they can see for the first time the inner reality of God's kingdom. And the central truth that even though he doesn't look like what they might have expected, Jesus really is the Messiah. The main thing here is that the transfiguration reveals that Jesus is who he says he is. I want to say that again. The transfiguration reveals that Jesus is who he says he is. He is the Messiah. All right, The Messiah meaning the anointed one, the one chosen by God chosen for particular tasks, such as ushering in a new kingdom of love and grace. He's the chosen savior for the lost and the broken. He is the chosen one to bring light to the darkness, the chosen one to restore the world and humanity. He is the chosen one to defeat and bring life, bring, defeat death and bring life. But not only is Jesus the Messiah, he's also the son of God. And as the son of God, Jesus reveals the fullness of who God is. He points us to who the Father is. Jesus reveals that God is love, that God is full of grace, that God is at work to restore everything that is broken, that God is a God of justice, and he is willing to suffer with us and for us. Jesus is who he says he is. He's the Messiah. He's the Son of God. And if he really is who he says he is, if he really is this Messiah, if he really is the Son of God, then those realities should have a major, major impact on the way in which we interact with and follow Jesus. The fact that Jesus is both Messiah and Son of God should not just be knowledge to store in our brains. Like, that's great, we know that, but what else? These should be transformative realities that directly inform the way we live. So to push that thought further, if Jesus actually is who he says he is, we should actually listen to him. All right, that's God's direct command on the mountain to these three disciples. This is my son whom I love. Listen to him. If he is the Messiah, if he is the son of God, then we should be listening. But what we really need to be asking is, what and who are we actually listening to? Because whether we acknowledge it or not, we all have different voices shaping us. could be the endless people on your Twitter feed who are telling you who to hate, what to get angry about, the various labels that we attach to ourselves and all of the baggage and all of the identities that come with them. could be the false representation of Jesus that American Christianity has sold to the church. And much of the time, we don't even realize these voices are the things we're listening to until it's almost too late. And this has been my experience for the last few weeks, last few years even. Over the past couple of years, I've been in a long season, all right, that a lot of people have become to know as deconstruction, all right? You've probably heard that word pop up here at church. You've probably heard it pop up in church culture. And if you're not familiar with the term, it's this idea expressing that people process and are working through their faith or they're getting rid of toxic harmful, unhealthy Christian beliefs. 
And to give some more context, I've been in ministry. I've been on staff at a church since I was 18 years old. I graduated high school, and a month later, I started my first youth ministry job. I also went straight into a ministry degree and a Bible degree in college and straight into seminary. So all of my adult life, I have either been in ministry or been in some, sort, some form of theological education. And now I'm 28 years old, and I've had to take some time to look back, to slow down, to evaluate the past decade of my life. I've had to deal with some of the toxic, unhealthy baggage that I have picked up in my ministry career and all the things I have inherited from my faith over the last few years, whether it was good, whether it was bad, it's been a long journey. And at first, this journey was great. You know, I was excited. I was like, I'm going to get back to Jesus again. The Jesus that I met when I was 14, the, the Jesus that changed my life, the Jesus that called me into ministry. But what soon happened was something totally different. What started out as a pursuit to hear from Jesus, to listen to Jesus once again, slowly changed into something very different. Instead of seeking after Jesus and listening to the voice of Jesus, I just began to allow other people tell me what to think and believe all over again. I became more obsessed with labels and ideologies than Jesus. Jesus was no longer the one speaking. Instead, it was the next Twitter war between progressive or Christian side of Christianity, the next article or blog telling me what I should believe, the next podcast interview telling me what I should be mad about in the church. And so these became the dominant voices, and instead of finding renewed joy in Christ, I began to drown in frustration and cynicism. And to be honest with you today, I've, I've just had enough of it. I've, I've had enough of drowning in frustration and cynicism. I've had enough of deconstructing. I want to reconstruct. I want to move forward in a more healthy faith, which only happens by listening to Jesus again. I want to go back to listening to Jesus. I want to listen to the Messiah. I want to listen to the Son of God. Maybe you find yourself in a similar place today. So I want to ask you again, who are you listening to? What are you listening to? Now, not only should we listen to Jesus but if he actually is who he says he is, we should actually get to know him. The transfiguration is this moment where Peter, James, and John go from simply listening to Jesus to actually seeing and knowing him fully. And I don't know about you, but I need to get to know Jesus again. Not the Jesus that I've allowed to be shaped by labels or ideologies. No, the real Jesus, the true Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God, the same Jesus that was revealed to Peter, James, and John on this mountain. And I don't just want to listen to Jesus. I want to know him. I don't need to know another Twitter page or a TikTok person or a podcast or an article. I need to be with Jesus. I need practices like prayer, Sabbath, rest, silence. I need to be in Scripture not to try to get all the answers, all right, but to encounter get to know Jesus. I'm tired of spending my mental, spiritual, emotional, and relational currency on trying to fit a label or fit to someone else's idea of who Jesus is. I want to know him for myself. Maybe you feel that today. Maybe you're exhausted. Maybe you're frustrated with your faith or your spiritual journey. In Eugene Peterson's translation of Matthew 11, 28 through 30, he describes these very feelings when he says this, Are you tired? 
worn out, burned out on religion, come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me. Work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. I don't know about you, but I'm tired. I'm worn out. I'm a little burned out. But in the midst of all of those things, the voice of Jesus is calling and saying, Come to me. Know me. Get away with me. Keep company with me. Learn from me and you'll recover your life. If you feel the same today, that same invitation is open to you. This leads me to the next thing. If Jesus actually is who he says he is, we should actually practice the way. Not only do I want to listen to Jesus, get to know Jesus, I want to walk and practice the same ways of Jesus. Jesus didn't lead Peter, James, and John up that mountain so they could have a cool story one day around a campfire saying, you remember that time Jesus took us on that hike? No. All right. He led them up that mountain so they would not just see who he was, not just so they would listen to him, but they would actually practice and walk in his ways. Peter goes on to become the one with the first major missionary task of starting the early church. James goes on to suffer and be martyred for the faith. John goes on to become a prolific New Testament writer who we associate with several New Testament books. Point being, they didn't just know Jesus. They didn't just listen to Jesus. They practiced the way of Jesus. In his book, Practicing the Way, John Mark Comer says this, following Jesus is not a three-step formula. Be with him, become like him, and so on. There is a sequence, but it is not a program, but a progression. First, you come and be with Jesus. Gradually, you start to become like him. Eventually, it's like you can't help it. You begin to do the kinds of things he did in the world. The more we listen to Jesus, the more we actually get to know him, the more we will actually and naturally find ourselves practicing the ways of Jesus. We'll find ourselves choosing love over hate, wanting peace instead of war, prioritizing rest and prayer, caring for the least, the last, and the lost, desiring self-sacrifice over self-indulgence, speaking out against evil and injustice. And when it comes down to it, I don't want to be progressive. I don't want to be conservative. I don't want this label or that label. I just want my life to be modeled after Jesus. So as I move to the end this morning and I invite Hannah to come back up, I want to end by bringing us back to the central truth of the transfiguration. Jesus is who he says he is. He is the Messiah. He is the Son of God. We don't need labels. We don't need someone new to hate or demonize. We don't need a new ideology. We don't need a new belief. We need Jesus. And I need to listen to his voice. I need to be with him. I need to practice his ways. I invite you to do the same today, to let go of listening and conforming to empty labels, to not just know who he is, but actually be present with him. Not just observe who he was or what he did from a distance, but to do the same things he did and to become like him. Let's pray together this morning. God, as we come to you today, God, we we proclaim that you are who you are, that Jesus, you are the Messiah. 
you are the Son of God. God, help us to drown out all these other voices, all these other labels, all these other things that are distracting us from actually listening to your voice. May we not just listen to you, may we know you. May we not just know you, but may we become like you. Because it is in becoming like you, listening to you, knowing you, that our full life is present. So God, we offer ourselves to you today. Amen. So weekly here at Restoration, we have the chance to respond through communion. And as you respond today, as you come to the table, may you come and answer that invitation, not to just listen to him, not just to know Jesus, but to walk in his ways. There's elements up here, there's elements on the table in the back, but as you come, know you're coming to the table of Jesus, the Messiah of God. Feel free to take your time. There's no rush today.